Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Good evening everyone. Thanks to Brad and the team for leading us so well. Well, this morning I would like to take you back to when you were Did I say good morning. That's why you ignored me. I was so touched. Oh, let me try that again. Good evening everyone. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, so I want to first take you back to when you were either in grade seven or you were in matric or you were at the end of your university life. So I remember I was a one-school boy, so it just shows that I'm, I'm loyal, all right? From grade one all the way to grade 12, I went to one school, one blue, one blue jersey, one blue tie, same gray pants, same black shoes. For from primary all the way to high school. And I remember by the time I got to grade 12, I felt as though I deserved the right to speak at our valedictory service. Yeah, valedictorian service, yes. I felt that I had the right to give the farewell speech to the school as the only matriculant who was there from grade 1 to grade 12. But unfortunately, from grade 9 to grade 12, sin came into the picture, so I lost that privilege, so I didn't get the chance to. But I remember having prepared that speech, and, and things that I had in mind is I wanted to remind the school and the class of the great years that were. Remember in grade 7 when they used to beat us over our fingertips. Remember when as a school we beat uh, the neighboring school in soccer. I would send them back down memory lane to remind them of the things that we have accomplished. But in this speech, I would also try to inspire them. Inspire them for what is to come. Hey, you guys are going to be the doctors of tomorrow, the teachers of tomorrow, the bus drivers of tomorrow. There is hope for you still. And so if you had to think about a, valedic a valedictorian service, in that service you, you share some memories, you inspire, and you leave people with a sense of hope that we who are still studying, when we get to grade 12, there is hope for us. And we who are in grade 12, after this, there is hope for us. But this sort of speech is a similar speech that a president who is leaving his office would share. A president who is leaving office would share of his term, memories from his time that he served. He will share of his own personal achievements and then also leave the country with hope that the guy who is coming in is a guy that you have voted for, but is also a guy who is going to inspire the nation. And so I went and I checked Nelson Mandela's farewell speech. It was a season of transition. He was the first president where we had, we had there was this, this, this sense of togetherness, this sense of we have all voted for him. So after Nelson Mandela, it was up in the air. And so you can imagine the fear of what's going to happen after Nelson Mandela leaves. So listen to his speech. He said this. He says, five years ago, the world welcomed South Africa to the community of free nations, Leaders of the international community joined us here in Pretoria in the dawn of our freedom. Together with the peoples of the world, we celebrated a victory that belonged to the world. 
It was a victory that flowed from an affirmed and shared commitment to our common humanity. For my part, I would want to say how privileged I feel to have participated in the achievements of our nation during the past five years. I have been humbled to have been honored as their representative in the name of the principle of which our people stood. It has been an inspiration to serve a nation that has helped renew the world's hope that our conflicts, no, uh, no matter how stubborn, are capable of peaceful resolution. You can almost hear the people cheering in the background and clapping their hands. The task of this generation, he went on to say, is to help make a reality of life cherished dreams of peace, equity, and development within and among the nations and regions of the world. Their challenge is to deal with the plight of the developing nations and the poor above all in Africa. So this was a farewell speech of a president who was revered by our country. In fact, there are statues of him in almost every province in our land. Now, we see a similar trend. From a valedictorian speech to our, to our former president's speech, he reminded the nation of where they came from and encouraged them about where they were going. In all of this, he shares word of his role and how he felt privileged to play that role as president. But we also have other presidents like George Washington who within his farewell speech, he had to share an apology. However, tonight we find a farewell speech we find a farewell speech of the outgoing judge of Israel. But this speech was different. You see, the farewell speech that we're about to read is a farewell speech of Samuel, but he wasn't just leaving. This wasn't just a change in leadership, but it was a transition, a change in the way that the nation was about to be led. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 12 and it's a little bit of a long read, but we're going to read the, long, the whole chapter. 1 Samuel chapter 12, and it starts our reading from verse 1. And Samuel, Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, behold, I have obeyed your voice in all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. And now behold, the king walks before you and I am old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me and I'll restore it to you. Verse 4. They said, You have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed, is, his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, He is witness. Verse 6. And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness, who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. And now, therefore, stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out to the Lord and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. 
But they forgot the Lord their God. And he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. Verse 10. And they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies that we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubal and Barak and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side. And you lived in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Amorites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. But now... The king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against against the commandments of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. Verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, therefore... Stand still and see if this great thing that the Lord will do before you and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain and you shall know and see that your weakness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel verse 19 And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil to ask ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I shall instruct you in the day, and I shall instruct you in the good and the right way. Verse 24, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Let's just pray together. God, we, we pray for your hand of blessing over your word. God, we pray as we are challenged here this evening that we would remember you as our God. I pray that hearts would be softened, Lord, where there is sin, bring it to surface, Lord, and us, and we ask that you help us to repent of those sins, and God, we pray that you would help us to be those who leave this place asking ourselves, have we been faithful in following after you? Have we been faithful in serving you? Have we been faithful in our obedience to you as our great king? So please, minister before us, by your spirit we ask, and help me to speak only that which you have prepared in my heart, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So the first thing I'd like us to consider here tonight is remember my ministry before you. So remember this is the farewell speech of outgoing Samuel, the judge of Israel. And so the first thing I'd like us to draw out of this speech is remember my ministry before you. Samuel is old. Samuel is now gray. Samuel at this point is an empty nester, and because of the sin of his children, they will not take part in temple worship, but were ordinary citizens of the nation. Samuel at this point in his life had served the Lord all of the days of his life. And again, this we must note was an answer to Hannah's prayer from, this, from Samuel's youth. From the time he was a young adult, even through his midlife crisis, Samuel served the Lord. Now that is just a quick challenge to us all. To the youngest in this room, to those who are young adults, to those who are approaching your midlife crisis, and to those who are approaching senior citizen status, serve the Lord all the days of your life. And so before Samuel leaves office, he, he puts himself on the stand as, as if they were in a courtroom. He puts himself on the stand and he allows the nation Israel to take the, the, the position of the prosecutor. And then he asks them, he says, consider my time in service before you as a judge. And he asks them a series of questions. He says, whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? And from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me and I will restore it to you. Now, I don't want us to miss what, what Samuel was doing here. He, he purposefully puts himself on the stand because he's about to make an important point to the nation Israel. Remember in chapter 8, when he warned them about what the king would do. In chapter 8, verse 13, he said, The king will take your daughters to be performers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive, and, and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and, young don- and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. When, when the Lord had me as judge over you, I did not take take, take, like this king who's about to come will do. This king that you have cried for will cost you more than you will think. You see, in in, in Samuel's farewell speech, he wants the nation Israel to remember the days of the judges when God faithfully delivered them as he was their king. Interestingly enough, in verse 18 of that chapter, he says, he will not answer you on that day. I ask myself why. He will not answer you because the day of the deliverers have come to an end. You now have a king. Go and cry out to the king that you have asked for and ask him to help you. Samuel's point was simple. Remember how God led you through my ministry. Remember how the Lord reigned over you through his faithful servant, through his servant whose service was marked with integrity and honor. 
Samuel was a man of integrity. Samuel was a man of honor. Samuel was a man who feared the Lord. If you had to put yourself on the stand here tonight and you allowed for the people that you minister to, to you are allowed for the people that you share a pew with, the people that you fellowship with. If you ask them to examine your manner of life and ministry, what will they find? Will they find that you have been a person of integrity? That you have been a person who's, who's been living to honor God? That you have, been, you have been a person who's been living to fear God? Or will they find that you have been a shady, self-centered, hypocritical, spirit-empty, flesh-led minister? See, Samuel's ministry had definitely left a mark. His, his leadership had left a mark amongst the people, and they could respond in verse, in verse 4, you have not defrauded us, or oppressed us, or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is, is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand, and they said, he is witness. And so Samuel is now going to transition to say, now that you have confessed that I have served you well, now that you have said with your lips that I have been a minister in good standing, and God also bears witness to my manner of life and ministry, can I now put you on the stand, nation Israel? Since you consider me to be a trustworthy source, how about I put you on the stand and let's see your manner of life and your worship and ministry to God. See verse 7. It says, Now therefore, stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. And so my next point is remember God or revert back to sin. Remember God or revert back to sin. You see, now the tables have turned. And, and as, as Samuel is, is painting the picture of the faithfulness of God amongst the, the nation Israel, he's also going to draw and bring to surface how the nation, the, 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 the manner of life that the nation of Israel walked in. You see, he draws their attention from the time of slavery in Egypt to the time of the judges. Consider verse 8 and 9. He said, Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. In verse 9, they were sold into slavery, into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they, and they fought against them. He reminds them here that God has always heard their cries for help and he had always sent them a deliverer. He, he reminds them, Moses and Aaron were those who were sent to deliver you from your oppression. Uh, um, uh, Jeroboam, who was Gideon, or Barak, or, or Jephthah, or Samuel, we were deliverers that God has sent to deliver you. Now Samuel here intentionally makes the point that the nation's oppression was always connected to their disobedience. The nation's oppression, the nation's fall was always connected to their disobedience. Church, whenever you forsake the Lord, whenever you forget God, 
you, got, you will get yourself into trouble. And so first I want, you, he, I want you to see, he starts by saying, remember what was. Remember what was. Well, you forgot the Lord. They got too comfortable. They didn't take care to keep their hearts guarded from compromise and idolatry. They didn't guard their hearts from worshiping the gods of the foreign nations in the wilderness. Their thoughts weren't taken captive by God and his law, and so they forgot God. The nation Israel lived as though God did not exist. They lived as though their deliverance from Egypt came from another. They forgot God. Does this sound familiar? We, as God's people, usually find ourselves closest to God when we are at our neediest, when we are at our, weak, when we are at our weakest. We bow our knees every day when we are in need. We bow our knees even sometimes in tears before God and we plead with him to hear us. We, we love the company of the saints because we know that when we are in church, we will ask the saints to pray with us, to pray for us. So we enjoy church because we know we will find prayers there. But what happens when God answers your prayers? What happens when God gives you what you want, when God comes through and he delivers you, when God answers your prayer? Are you like the nation Israel that forgets God? They were bold enough to say that it was the golden calf that Aaron had made that saved them from the Egyptians. How do you find yourself at that place? Well, you forget God. You forget who he, you forget who, who he is and you forget what he has done. You forget who he has revealed himself to be in his scriptures, and you take on a knowledge about God that has been formed by the world. You take on a knowledge about God that has been formed by people who have no regard for God and his Bible. You take on a knowledge about God that is formed by your flesh, your same flesh that has a natural resistance to him. You forget God, because you learn not to fear him. The forgetting God leads to forsaking God. The second thing we see is they forsook God. If your thoughts are not constantly surrounded by the truth of God, if your heart is not anchored by the truth of God, if you get too comfortable, if you get too relaxed, that, that you forget even your simple devotions to God, you too will forget God and you will forsake him. You will live as though there was no God and you will live in the worship of another. Either you will worship yourself, either you will worship another God, or either you will worship the evil one himself. So the nation Israel was so far from God that in, that in verse 12 they said this. Uh, Samuel reminds them of this. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Emirates, came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was king. Samuel had linked together the story of God's deliverance of Israel from the time of the Exodus to the present day. In chapter 11, the nation Israel was, was so brave that they asked Nahash, Nahash, an, an Ammonite, to be king over them. 
The nation Israel would have rather have a, a, a foreign king rule over them than to be ruled by the Lord God himself. Be careful what you wish for, Pastor Mark preached to us. Be careful what you get. Secondly, he reminds them in his speech, remember what is. So those two points was remember what was, and the next two points is remember what is. In verse 13, it says, Now behold the king whom you have chosen, from whom you have asked. Behold, the Lord has set a king over you. The Lord has answered your prayers. He has given you, he has given you the king of an image. He has given you the image of a king that you wanted. A fearful image of dominance that you wanted. An image that would resemble terror and, and, and bring fear to the nations around you as you wanted. You wanted the image of a king who presented royalty and prestige. This was what you wanted. You get it? This was not the king that they needed, but this was the king that they wanted. God had given the nation Israel the the desires of their heart, but this too should come with a warning. It says, now that you have made yourselves like the other nations in your civil government and have cast off the divine administration in that, take heed lest you make yourselves like the nations in religion and cast off the worship of God, the commentator said. So there was two warnings there. You want to symbolize the nation, you want to symbolize the other nations in having this king, be careful that you don't symbolize the other nations also in idolatry. And so when he, when he reminds them of what is, he gives them those two warnings. Number one, blessing follows obedience. Verse 14, if you will fear the Lord and serve him, and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord. And if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. Church blessing follows obedience. We're not talking here about legalism, but we're talking about a heart posture. The Lord here is, 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 is saying, or Samuel is, is reminding the nation Israel to remember God. Remember me, says the Lord. Serve me, says the Lord. Keep my law. Keep my statutes. Live in the fear of the Lord. Not just you as my people, but also the king should serve me, keep my law, and fear me as God. See, though the nation had rejected God as king, there was still a chance. He could still bless them if they had obeyed him, if they remembered him. I firmly believe that this is still true today. God honors faithfulness. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Another author said, Obedience is the hard proof of belief to God and to others and to ourselves, that we take our Father at his word, and we are willing to stake our lives on it. Church, God will bless your faithfulness. 
God will bless your obedience, but it's important that we hold in tension all of Scripture as we think of this idea of God blessing your obedience and God blessing your faithfulness. The blessing to which God will give you is not always the same, and it's not always in line with the world's explanation or even the world's expectation. God blesses you with his presence. That is a blessing from God. He blesses you with his people. He blesses you with endurance. He blesses you with peace and joy. He blesses you with memories and moments. He blesses you with, with truth. He blesses, sorry, his blessings must not solely be connected with material goods, though he does bless us with them too. But don't measure the blessing of God solely on the material, but the spiritual is a blessing too. Again, a final commentator would note, to those that are sincere in their religion, God will give grace to persevere in it. That that those that follow God faithfully will be divinely strengthened to continue following him. Blessing follows obedience. Secondly, wrath follows disobedience. Consider verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Do not be deceived. The disobedience of men will never bring about the pleasure of God. Do not live like those who say, because I am a child of God, therefore I, and I believe that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, so now I can go and do as I want. I can live as I please. I can live in willful disobedience. John would say to you that the truth is not in you. John would say to you that you are dis- deceiving yourself. John would say to you that you are calling God a liar if you are saying that you know him but you continue to walk in darkness Samuel demonstrated with much clarity that God was not pleased with the nation Israel see verse 16 to 18 now therefore stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes it is not wheat harvest today I will call upon the Lord that he will send thunder and rain and you shall know and see that your wickedness is great which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. So wheat harvest was was not generally a time where you'd get thunder and rain And so this was a real miracle which brought about fear and trembling amongst the nation Israel. This was a call from God through his servant Samuel to the nation Israel to, hey, remember God. Remember the God who sees it all. Remember the God of justice. Remember the God who is holy and has called you to holiness. Remember the God who hates sin and will not let sin slide. Remember the God who is sovereign, who is ruler, who is king. Remember God. That is my plea for us here this evening. Remember God. The response from the nation Israel, and I pray this is the response from us here this evening. All the people greatly feared the Lord. 
and Samuel. Now Samuel would say, now that I have your spiritual attention, after they responded in this way, he then ends his speech with my final point. Remember to pray. Remember to pray. Samuel now is about to, to end his time and end his, his farewell message to the nation. And he's going to leave them with a series of instructions. If you follow these, these things, you will have success. And the first one we find in verse 19. And all, the, and all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. Sorry, to verse 20. And, and Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with your heart. He says, pray for the king. We've asked for him. Here he is. Pray that he would obey the Lord, that we would find, that we would not find ourselves in calamity. You see, the failure of the king would, would then mean a failure to the nation. A failure to the, ki- the failure of the king would mean that the, the, the heavy hand of God would again be upon the nation Israel. So pray, pray for your servants to the Lord your God. Samuel says, pray for your king. Pray for your king that he might not find himself in sin. And so the question tonight is, when last did you pray for Cyril Ramaphosa? When last did you pray for him? You've probably complained more about him than you've prayed for him. Church, pray for your presidents. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your bosses, even those ones who make work so horrible. Pray for them. Pray for your lecturers who you are convinced are hired to make you fail. Pray for your teachers. Pray for your parents. Pray for your spouses. Pray for your siblings and your friends. Pray for those within the household of the faith. Pray for your elders, your deacons, your ministry leaders, your members. Pray for the adherents. Church, get into the habit of praying. Pray. Pray intentionally for others. Start tonight. Don't put it off and say, I'm going to start this great spiritual journey of prayer tomorrow where I'm going to pray for everybody. No, start tonight. Pray for Cyril Ramaphosa tonight. Before you go to bed, pray for him. The commentator notes this. Nothing is better fitted to enlarge and warm the heart than intercessory prayer. To present to God in succession, one after, the, one after another, our family, our friends, remembering all their wants, their sorrows, their trials and temptations, to bear before God the interest of his struggling church that in various parts of the world, this interesting mission that, and that noble cause to make mention of those who are waging the battle of temperance and purity, of freedom, of Christianity, itself in the midst of difficulty and oppression. Together, together, all the sick and sorrowing, all the fatherless and widows, all the bereaved and the dying of one's acquaintance and ask God to bless them. To think of all the children of one's acquaintance in the bright springtude of light, of all the young men and the young women arrived or arriving at a critical moment of decisions as to the character of their lives and to implore God to guide them. Oh, brethren, 
This is good for oneself. It enlarges one's own heart. It helps oneself in prayer. So firstly, pray for your servants, but get in the habit of praying for one another. Secondly, Samuel says from verse 20, but Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid, you have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. What a great promise. God will not forsake his people. So church, do not be afraid, O child of God. Do not let your sin lead you into following other gods. Do not let your sin lead you into chasing after empty things that will only leave you wanting, but continue to seek the Lord. Take your sin before God. Bring your guilt and your shame to the cross. Seek the forgiveness of God which is available through Christ's finished work. Live in the reality of redemption and reconciliation. I love these words. Every sin in the covenant, though it displeases the Lord, it does not throw us out of the covenant. And so the point here is God's just rebuke must not drive us from our hope in his mercy. Church, our hope is in the reality that it is finished. Our hope is in the reality that it was paid in full. For his name's sake, he preserves us, he keeps us, he guards the deposit. But there must be repentance. For repentance is the sign of genuine faith. The third thing he gives us is in verse 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, I will instruct you in the good and the right way. This right here is the attitude of a true servant of God. Notice he considered it a sin to not pray for the people of God. So the question here this evening is how often do you pray for God's people? When was the last time you prayed for believers by name? When was the last time you spent time sending prayer requests to heaven for the people you share a pew with Sunday by Sunday? Do you even know the prayer requests of your fellow members at Central Baptist Church? And the question is, how will you know the needs of those around you if you do not ask? And also, how will we pray well for you if you do not share? Friends, prayer is not a chance for gossip. Prayer is not an opportunity for slander, but it is an opportunity for love. It is an opportunity to put love in display. I am actively loving you well when I am praying for you. So we need to be a praying church if we want to continue to see the hand of the Lord work in our midst. And finally, he says in verse 24, only, the, only fear the Lord, and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you, but if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. 
So church, the encouragement here tonight is live in the reality of who God is and what he has done. If you are afraid, remember who God is and what he has done. If you have sinned, remember who God is and what he has done. If you are struggling with assurance, remember who God is and what he has done. If you are downcast, discouraged, and in despair, remember who God is and what he has done. Make it your aim to fear the Lord and to serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done. But verse 25 says, But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. So I do want to make a note here that the wrath of God is real. The wrath of God is dreadful. So dear unbeliever, do not be deceived. Our God will punish sin. You will be swept away. If you do not repent of your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be swept away and you will be destroyed by the wrath of God. Believer, you cannot deceive the Lord. Your sin will not be hidden forever. So my encouragement to you here tonight is bring your sin before God. Even now as we are about to partake in communion, Confess your sins to God and ask him to help you change your life. That you would live as one who fears the Lord and one who serves him faithfully with your whole heart. And remember, if you have sinned, there is forgiveness found on the cross. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we sang tonight, what other glory consumes like fire? What other power can raise the dead? What other name remains undefeated? It is only a holy God. Who else can rescue me from my failing? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father only a holy God, only my holy God. And so God, I do ask that here tonight that you would help us to remember our God. Lord, please may we not be those who have forgotten God and thereby we have forsaken him and are living in sin and idolatry. Dear God, may we be known as those who fear you and serve you faithfully with our whole hearts. And my God, I also pray that you will help us develop a habit, a culture to be those who pray for one another. And Lord, even now from the pulpit, we do want to lift up Cyril Ramaphosa, Lord, praying that, Lord, you grant him wisdom as he, as he leads this land, praying, Lord, that the fear of God would strike his heart, that, God, he would serve in reverence of you, and that, God, he would serve even in submission to your kingship. Lord, we ask that you protect him from the evil one. And Lord, we ask that, Lord, even his soul would be saved on that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.